It's Thanksgiving week, and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL, has your shot to gobble up some winnings. New customers can play free for millions with their first deposit. Nothing goes better with your turkey, your stuffing, and pie than feasting on big cash prizes from DraftKings. So you don't want to sleep on this offer. Look, if you're into the NBA, that's why you're listening to this podcast. If you're into the college basketball, the reason why you listen to this podcast, you can go to DraftKings. You don't want to sleep on this offer. And for football fans, daily fantasy football simple. Just pick your lineup of NFL stars while staying under the salary cap and score enough points to bring home some cash. And with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, you have another reason to be thankful this season. So think about this. Download the DraftKings app now. Use a promo code Bernie to play for millions this Thanksgiving weekend. That's right. In the promo code Bernie to get a free shot at millions of dollars until a prize is with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. And again, if you're into the NBA or college basketball, it's a perfect spot for you to go. DraftKings, they're good to us. We want you to be good to them. The title sponsor for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, DraftKings. Lay down some money and just watch the action fly in the NBA and college basketball with DraftKings. Basketball is hood. It's time for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with Jonathan Hood. You love basketball, you've come to the right place. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. I'm Jay Hood. As we record this on Monday afternoon, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is brought to you by uh, DraftKings. Indeed, DraftKings. They're good to us. Be good to them. DraftKings, the title sponsor for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And, man, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to hear from Bobby Marks, our front office insider, coming up later on this podcast from ESPN and ESPN.com. Look forward to talking to Bobby about the Bulls and some of the other NBA storylines going on, including LeBron James and that's. <laughs> what's going on with LeBron James? Is he going to be suspended or not? We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the what's going on with this Bulls team and so much more here on this podcast. Hey, you can catch this podcast on Spotify. If you're a Spotify loser, make sure that you check out Spotify. Also, the Cap and Jayhood podcast feed as well. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Let's talk about the Bulls and their game last night against the Knicks. Mid-range. Oh, yes. Let me tell you. The... The spot. Ooh, that, that might be the guy who closes it right there. 
fun things. Well, you can unlock him, though. Yeah. I, I kind of left him locked up because he wasn't really <laughs> good. There you go. Tony White for two. Yeah, so a lot of happiness there at the United Center last night, indeed, because the Bulls won and they defeated the New York Knicks as the Bulls are coming off a six and three on the road so far, nine games, six and three. They have been able to win six of their last eight. The Bulls are 13th best in the league in defense, and this is without Patrick Williams, and 4-2 and two without Nikola Vucevic. I really like the way the Bulls played in that game against the Knicks on Sunday because the number one thing that really stood out to me is the ability for the Bulls to be able to pass the ball side to side and look for that open jumper. I really like that from the Bulls because that's so needed. You have to continue to move the ball if you are the Bulls because... It's more than just Zach Levine being able to knock down shots. You see that DeMar DeRozan, once you're passing it to him, you're passing it around the horn and you find DeRozan from the foul line down or, or foul line extended. And the ability to knock down that jumper, man, it, it, it's great. His jumper and his prowess offensively has come through in a big way for this Bulls team. I cannot talk enough about DeMar DeRozan and what he means to this team. So... You're looking at a guy that's had six 30-point games already. 31 points on 10 of 20 shooting that last game against the Knicks, and he is just really playing at a high level. I mean, think about it. DeRozan with 38 minutes, 10 for 20 from the field, and had 31 points and six rebounds and five assists, which was absolutely tremendous. Zach Levine did not knock down a three, but he did score 21 points and 36 minutes of play. But when I look at this team overall, Lonzo Ball, his five assists, I want that number to continue to be on the rise. If you're the Bulls, you want him to be able to be a key distributor for this offense, for him to find DeRozan uh, in the post or find him from three. Levine being able to find him from three. That's something that's very important for this team. But something else, too, we heard highlights of Kobe White as well. It's important for the development of Kobe White. If he's going to play anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes a game, he's got to be able to knock down shots, 3 for 6 from 3, 14 points, 5 for 11 for the field. Dusumu with 5 points as well. And Jones with 8, the old slam dunk king. Um, Jones Jr. with 8 points in 22 minutes. I look at this team and 12 and 5 through 17, especially with the Bulls defeating two LA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, and then being able to beat Denver. Like, you can couch it and say there's no Jokic here, no LeBron there, and just, you know, pick and choose, no Kawhi for the Clippers. Point, though, is, is that the Bulls are winning this, these games. It didn't matter how many stars that were out. 
for the opposition in years past, the Bulls would find a way to lose that game. And so just for them to be able to have a successful road trip the way they did, they fell short against Portland. They let go of the rope against Portland in that game in which they had to lead in the first half. They had to lead through three quarters and then end up losing the ball game. Um, there's, that's going to happen in the league. It's a game that they should have won, but they did not. Well, I talked about that in the last podcast. But, I, I mean, I like what I'm seeing here with this Bulls team. And I can't wait to talk to Bobby Marks and through his lens as a former GM and as a front office insider for ESPN.com to get his thoughts on it. But that's exactly what I like uh, about what I saw from this team. Just the ability for the Bulls to be able to share the basketball and just play together. The Bulls have no other choice but to play together because you look at the team and it's tied together by scoring from DeRozan and Levine primarily. But then when you have Caruso, and I don't want to undersell what he brings to the table as well. Alex Caruso, he started in the game against the Knicks on Sunday. And Caruso's a guy that, again, just a, a glue guy. Every team needs to have an Alex Caruso. Somebody will open up the box score and say, well, Hood, the only one was two for seven from the field and had seven points and, and fouled out of the game. The little things, the assists, the rebounding. Just to be able to put people in position. Um, he's almost like a little coach on the field, uh, on the floor uh, for the Bulls and for the Lakers before that. So I like what he brings. And the Bulls are playing well. And let's see what happens against Indiana on Monday. But every game is a must-watch now because the Bulls have been able to win some games and get people excited. And again, it's just November. I get that. But it's been a long time coming for this Bulls team. And I'm excited about what I've been seeing so far. Uh, you will hear now from Billy Donovan, the head coach for the Bulls, his thoughts on the Bulls' victory, 109-103 to against the Knicks. That, you know, as much as you guys get hurt from time to time with your lack of size, that you've learned how to, you got a game plan for how to turn the tables and, you know, you threw those double teams and got them scrambling in the fourth quarter and that's, you kind of got them playing your game. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought last time I played them, you know, Julius did a really, really good job of passing out of double teams, and we wanted to wait um, to trap him, you know, in terms of instead of going early. And I thought we did a better job of providing help. We got in foul trouble. I mean, uh, Javante had four in the first half. You know, Alex picked up fouls. Lonzo had fouls. And you're going to have that when you're undersized, you know, in that way. Uh, but I give those guys a lot of credit to your point. They they kind of help each other. They, they, they scramble. They scrap. I thought they were incredibly physical uh, today. Uh, it was a game where I don't know if anybody really necessarily gained any rhythm offensively in the game. There was stretches of rhythm, but it was just a hard-fought game. And, you know, in a lot of ways, baskets were hard to come by. And there was a lot of fouls and there was a lot of free throws taken. Um, but I think for us, you know, when the ball goes up, I think because we know we're small, they, they know they've got to get in there and battle as best they can. I feel like given what we were talking with you about about Kobe pregame, how good was it to see him get going, and especially at such a crucial juncture of the game? I'm just personally happy for him, you know, because I, I said to you guys, I know, you know, people look at him the last couple games and, you know, how far off is he and where is he? But, like, for me, when you watch a guy every single day work the way he does and never points fingers at anything, always tries to figure out what he can do better, you know, as a coach, you always, you know, you have a, a real uh, – appreciation for a professional like that and you you want him to be able to come off this six month recovery and in his first game be back exactly where he was before he got hurt but it's not realistic and you know I give him a lot of credit you know I think it speaks to him I mean I think coming out of the Denver game where he had a drive he missed 
missed a couple shots. I thought he was aggressive. And you know what? To For him and all the hard work he's put in to, to knock down some of the shots he knocked down to help our team win, I'm just personally happy for him. He sent a little extra emotion for him after some of those makes. And, and then even from his teammates, you know, a couple guys have talked about celebrating each other's successes. It seemed like there was a lot of that in the fourth as he was getting wrong. Yeah, I mean, it was nice when he came in the locker room. Guys were excited for him. You know, Kobe's a great guy. He's a really good teammate. Um, he's a really good person. Um, there's so many great qualities about him that people don't get a chance to see. And um, you, you hate to see somebody go through an injury like that. And then you see them struggling when they're coming back from that. And then you're trying to find their way. But I've said this before about him. He's resilient. He's very, very determined. And he's very singular-minded focus on, you know, what he has to do to get better. And um, I think our guys are, are, are happy that he, you know, can get back and help and, and, and help contribute to the win. Thanks. Um, uh, thanks to Bulls PR. I have this uh, box score I can look at. Refer to oh. it for you. So I appreciate okay. that. Um, the formula that you've tried to do defensively has been steals, transition, offensive rebounds, all those things. You weren't able to do those things tonight as much. You mentioned the physical. It was encouraging that you could defensively win a game that way, opposed to the way you know usually been doing it or try to do it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think so. I think so. It was one of those games where I thought Zach played exceptionally well in the fourth quarter. You know, it wasn't probably one of his normal, typical nights through the first three quarters. Um, I think we spaced them a little bit better in the fourth offensively, you know, to, you know, generate some, at least some open looks and give ourselves a chance to make some shots. Uh, and it was just kind of a, you know, it was foul trouble, different lineups, different rotations, guys in and out. So I think to your point, to be able to win a game where it wasn't, uh, you know, smooth sailing every possession or, you know, every quarter, you, you found a way to battle and fight and compete. Thoughts there from Billy Donovan. How about Tom Thibodeau, the head coach for the New York Knicks? <laughs> Not happy after the game. Usual thibs, that's for sure. Well, you, you know, you, you're putting two on the ball, so you got to read, read the ball, and uh, we got to close harder. What did you get from Randall tonight? Uh, you know, he, he played this, you know, he had to play the center position. We're shorthanded, so uh, we asked him to do a lot, and, uh, you know, he tried to provide what we needed. A lot of tough matchups, um, but we fell short. And, I mean, to that extent, Coach played small for a lot of this game, but at the same time, Noel's trying to play some foul trouble, and you don't have much backup behind him. How much did that hurt you guys tonight? No, you don't get it. Noel's gives us the, the rim protection that, that you need, so, but that's part of the game. Everyone's got to be ready to play. I like the way we played for three quarters. I felt we weren't at our best in the fourth, um, you know, but the, the fight was there. Uh, and then we have to take a hard look at, you know, at what happened in the fourth. Yeah, uh, just with uh, Evan, I mean, I know you didn't play him in the fourth, but did he, he had that nice game last night and then kind of regressed. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to get that. Yeah, no, just whoever is, whoever's going good, you know, and so we were just searching. I thought, you know, they gave us a good lift to start the third. I thought uh, our starters played really well. At the, at the start of the third, so that was important. But you know, we we went with you know the group that 
uh, you know, we got a little surge there at the end of the third, start of the fourth. And so we try to ride that as, as much as we could and try to manage New Orleans foul trouble as well. Bulls win 109-103. to 103. From the Knicks' standpoint, Randall, yeah, he had 34 points. He was a monster at 34 points and 10 rebounds for the Knicks. But they were asking him about New Orleans Noel, just like he had six points, didn't really score a lot, didn't get a lot from their starters. Derrick Rose had nine points, three for 11 for the field. He had 30 points. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, he had 30 minutes and nine points for him, three for 11 from the field, and um, get double digits from Toppin and from Burks and from Quickly. But uh, you could just tell that just based on the lineups, like <laughs> Tibbs was going to go like nine or 10 deep. That is for sure. And there's those guys are logging a lot of minutes as you would expect, right? You would expect there would be a lot of minutes uh, logged by Randall, Noel, in particular, Fournier, um, RJ Barrett. But um, yeah, it's good to see Derrick Rose on the floor with his nine points on uh, Sunday night. And the Bulls will move on against Indiana. Tonight, it's their number one guy, Jeremy Grant. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Stewart and LeBron. Stewart is hot, and everybody's coming off now. Now, this is ridiculous. Yeah, he must have caught an elbow or something, but... Oh, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of blood streaming from the side of the eye. Look, here goes Stewart. security guys look at Dwayne Casey's like just calm down and there's Kay Cunningham also it was along the free throw line on the free throw and he's still trying to get loose <laughs> he is knocking over uh, he's out of the game without question I mean this it's is like he's running through the line That's nuts. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. Oh, it's crazy from the Lakers television side of things on uh, Sportsnet. Yeah, it happened last night. It was a situation where Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James are at the foul line. They're both watching a free throw. They're both angling and kind of fighting for position. And LeBron catches Isaiah Stewart with an elbow, right? So all of a sudden... Isaiah Stewart's face becomes a crimson mask because the blood just continues to pour out of the eye of Stewart. Stewart confronts LeBron, doesn't say anything. Then all of a sudden, here come the Lakers and the Pistons, and they start coming around both of these guys to separate them. Isaiah Stewart starts to see blood, and again, everyone acts reacts differently when they see blood, right? So here's Stewart. He's like, you know what? No, no. F this. I'm not going to deal with this. And LeBron is just way in the backdrop. He's not trying to engage at all. He's just backing away, hiding behind the official, or just trying to explain to the official what he didn't mean to do. But LeBron James clipped Isaiah Stewart with an elbow and busted his eye wide open. Uh, In my view, LeBron should be suspended, but definitely Isaiah Stewart because he was separated by Dwayne Casey, by teammates, by trainers. Everyone else is trying to stop that blood for a number of reasons. First of all, there's blood streaming from his eye, uh, which is very dangerous. So he needs to be able to get that checked. The other thing is, too, is that 
in this era of COVID as as well as just, you know, you don't want you to get your blood on someone else's face uh, or someone else's hands or all that. He'd need to be restrained. And he was breaking through and then he went around the uh, the locker room area in Detroit to try to find the Laker locker room and try to find, try to meet the Lakers or try to find LeBron, all that. And just just was bizarre so no question Isaiah Stewart is going to be suspended and fine but LeBron also should be suspended for being able to to elbow now once the elbow took place at the foul line LeBron put his hands out like oh I didn't mean to do that but he did do it there was an elbow I know that they were trying to fight for position but he clipped Stewart right in the face with that so some thoughts about this on first take this morning because um I, I totally agree with Anthony Davis from the standpoint that you know, he's not known. He doesn't have a reputation as a dirty player. That's not who LeBron James is. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the play at that particular moment in time wasn't dirty. The reality of the situation is you swung your your elbow. And because you swung your elbow and it caused that kind of damage, the reality of the situation is that's what sparked the incident. However, I'm of the mindset that Isaiah Stewart, don't know much about him, respect his talent, um, he's definitely a man, a brother, 6'8", 250, built like a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Definitely so now, when he initially went up to LeBron James, he didn't go up like that. But how he acted thereafter, I think he deserves to be suspended for multiple mm-hmm. games. You cannot, you cannot act like that. He, he ran over numerous players, numerous coaches. I mean, I'm not talking about them having to restrain him. He bulldozed over several dudes, including coaches, all right, who are obviously older men. He could have done harm to his own teammates. Now, we know he didn't intend to do that. But in light of what, and and this is nothing, this has nothing to do with the malice at the palace and all of that other stuff. I'm not trying to go there. But the point is, because of that, look at what that caused. You had, you know, the league more stringent with rules and regulations. You've had people getting suspended just for stepping off the side or stepping stepping off the court, I mean, onto the court from the bench and what have you. Rules have been extremely excessive to prevent anything right. close You're to right. that from happening. Right. Mm-hmm. He right. looked completely out of control. And then after that, he storms into the locker room and try to storm down. Now, LeBron backpedaled and all of this other stuff. People texting me and tweeting, look at LeBron backing up. I will remind everybody that it it wasn't like the brother was coming after me. LeBron's 6'9", 250, 260. It ain't like he's some punk. You understand what I'm saying? Now, he's smart enough not to do it, but more importantly, he knew he was wrong. He knew he was wrong because he swung his elbow. All of that extra stuff Isaiah Stewart did was completely uncalled for. He was out of control, and you can't have that. Stephen A. Smith is right on first take on ESPN. There's no question that LeBron will be suspended, but Isaiah Stewart, I mean, he saw blood, and then he saw red, and then he wanted to go after everybody, and so he was out of control. I heard the public address announcer in Detroit telling people to stay in their seats. I'm sure that's something that's a usual thing that you would tell fans uh, in that situation, but you have memories of Malice in the Palace where fans were coming out of the stands. If you've never seen that documentary, 
that's really uh, inspired by Jermaine O'Neal, who was part of that with the Pacers and the Pistons. You got to see that. You got to see that documentary because that tells a great story uh, about the Mouse and the Palace. Again, Jermaine O'Neal, part of it, Ron Artest, part of it as well. Reggie Miller. So you got to see that. But the first thing I thought of is, man, the public address announcer is saying on the mic, please don't come out of your seats. They didn't want to have a Malice in the Palace, too, in that scenario with Isaiah Stewart going after... Um, going after LeBron James. That was just amazing. So um, that's one thing. Oh, one other thing before we hear from Bobby Marks. We are going to hear from Montrez Harold, the Wizards power forward. You know, the Bulls are a great story, but so are the Washington Wizards. And I got to talk to Bobby about the Wizards too. Are they the deepest team in the East? Are they the deepest team in the East? I don't know. Uh, Montrez Harold was on Sirius XM NBA radio talking about how everybody with the Wizards is like an underdog. We try not to get too high. We try not to get too low, man. We just try to continue to keep stacking good days, man. And, you know, you, you said it, man. We, we got a team full of dogs, man. I'm glad, she, glad that you used that term, man, because this is what we are, man. Like, I tell Brad every day, bro. Every time I see him, man, like, text message, like, seeing this man, I tell him every day, bro. Me and him, I got your back, bro, no matter what. On this court, off this court, I got your back. I tell him that every time I see him, you can ask him to this day. And... Just the way things have played out, um, it's the way crazy, you know, things happen in life, man. He had something tragic happen to him that I actually, you know, experienced, and I'm still dealing with. So, you know, we bonded even more um, to that aspect, man. So, um, it's just crazy how things work, man. It's just crazy how the world um, evolves, and, you know, we're going to keep using everything that, you know, is built around us in this situation of how we came together as fuel, man. And I think that you know, everybody's situation is different, for sure. But you use the correct term. Everybody over here is looked at as an underdog as far as Spencer, when you say a situation with Brooklyn. Um, you can say me, Kuz, KCP. Um, you can say Brad, just over his years in Washington, man. We're all looked at as, you know, basically being overlooked. And we understand that. But at the same time, we know who we are. We know the work that we put inside those four walls um, here in the district. And we're going to continue to keep building that. And when every night you come in here in the district or every night we bring the district to you, we know who we are and we're cool with being that. But we're going to make you respect us and we're going to earn your respect. And, you know, that's just how we looked at it, man. <laughs> if you're a Wizards fan, you got to love that, right? Got to love that. Montrez Harold just put it all out there. Represent the D-I-S tricked. <laughs> represent the district, uh, the Washington Wizards. Everyone over here is looked like, uh, looked at as an underdog. Really love that from Montrez Harrell. Hey, real quickly, let me tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped.com. The holidays are right around the corner, and you guys are going to be looking for a gift, right? You're like, okay, what should I give? It's one simple click to Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. That's where you go. I want you to use a promo code HOOD when you use Manscaped. You say, HOOD, what is Manscaped? And why should I use a promo code HOOD? Well, number one, you get 20% off of your purchase for Manscaped.com. And it is the king, the absolute king of the below-the-waist grooming and grooming for men overall. Think about it, guys. You know you get the ear thing, you know, hair growing out of your ears or you got hair growing out of your nose. 
that's really, really gross, right? You, you've got to do something about that. You know it's itching. You know that it is gross, and you got to do something about it. So I would say make sure you use the lawnmower 4.0. And you know what that is? Well, definitely for below-the-waist grooming, it's better than just using just some shaver, right? Just to use some disposable razor. Have your girl or your your man to be able to take care of that for you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't have your significant other down there clipping your hairs, okay? Your balls will thank you. You use the lawnmower 4.0 and boom, you're taken care of. If you got that uh, ball toner as well, make you fresh down there. And of course, all the other stuff that you need for, that a guy needs, that they like the little tote bag there to put all your stuff in, it's all there. And boxers, oh, they're so comfortable. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, save 20%. You say, HOOD, I don't believe in the, look, just go to the website, trust me. Just go to manscaped.com. If you go there and you get yourself manscaped.com, the stuff that you need for your kit, or for someone else, just use my promo code HOOD. If you say Jonathan Hood sent me, you get 20% off the purchase. It's something for you, but if it's not for you, it's definitely for someone else. Manscaped.com, a great gift for the holidays. Earlier on, I talked to Bobby Marks from ESPN.com. He's a front office insider, and I asked him a number of questions about the NBA, including the Bulls looking really, really good. Hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Let's hear now from Bobby Marks. He probably was at least playing team. Uh, we didn't think they'd be sitting on top of the Eastern Conference standing and uh, you know, a couple days away from, from Thanksgiving. And uh, this team is good. This team is good. Um, and I think this is sustainable. I think you look at the schedule coming up. I think um, there's winnable games ahead. And um, you just got to, you know, win the games you're supposed to win and, and get yourself separation in case, you know, there will be maybe a little bit of a slide sometime during the year. But um, so far, so good for this team. What do you think of the way that Karnaschovas and Eversley built the roster? Well, there's risk, right? I mean, there's any time there's risk involved. And I think when you certainly when you when you move um, draft picks like they did in March with the the Lucevic trade, you know, trading two ones to Orlando, and then you do the the Rosen trade where you're trading another first, uh, so your asset base isn't there as far as um you know from a draft standpoint. But I think. You know, Spoles fans are like, you know what? We've tried the draft. <laughs> We've tried going through the draft. We want established veterans here. And the good thing is that, you know, when you can do, you know, move draft picks when you have, you know, DeMar on a, you know, contract for, you know, you know three plus years, when you get Lonzo in a trade and he's here for four years, uh, you know, uh, you know, Zach, we know, is a free agent this offseason, and you know, Nick has, uh, has two years left on his contract. So, yeah, I think there's there's certainly risk involved, but they they did it the hard way. You know, usually, um, you know, you'd, you'd like to do it with kind of a clean slate in the offseason cap space. Sometimes you sign players, but when you have, you know, multiple um, multiple signing trades, um, including getting Derek Jones in the in the marketing trade, um, you have to have cooperation with the uh, with the other teams here. So, I like what they they've been able to do certainly with Alex Caruso getting him for the mid-level exception and he's kind of the glue guy there I think the only concern would be kind of if you have enough depth um, with your with your bench but I think this is a playoff roster a quality playoff roster it's, you know the question's always is is there enough depth for you know this 82 grind during the regular season Bobby did you think at the time of the DeRozan deal that the Bulls gave up too much I didn't um, you know I mean 
I'm sure that first was going to go somewhere eventually um, to, to improve this roster. So, um, you know, I think, you know, with Thaddeus, I like Thaddeus. Um, you know, El Farico Muno um, was no, you know, not in San Antonio anymore, but I thought Thaddeus had value. But, you know, you need scoring. You know, scoring wins in this league. And when you can, um, when you add DeMar to, you know, to Zach, I mean, that gives you two guys that can give you, you know, 55, 60 points a, a night here. I think. You know, uh, you know, Demar got a little bit, um, you know, cast a different spell just because he was on the San Antonio team that was very young. That he was asked to do a little bit different. Um, he sacrificed a lot there um, for a team that wasn't a playoff team. But you know, this is the Demar Derozan that we saw in in Toronto, and I think this is probably as good as that that I've seen him play in a long time. Um, so Alonzo Ball, his development, I saw this with in New Orleans, and I thought, you know, his three game is coming along pretty nice. He's always been a pretty solid defender, perimeter defender. So I like what I see there. What, how, what are your thoughts on the way Ball, when he first came to the league to where he is now, what do you think of his development? I just thought when he came into the league, the expectation level was probably a little bit too New Orleans is probably asked to be – the savior, the face of the organization. I think here he could just be the quarterback of this group, right? Just manage. I think he can manage the game. He does not have to go out and give you 20 to 25 points. There are certainly some nights where he will. Um, but as far as, you know, from a defensive standpoint, high level, I think, you know, the ability to hit threes, as you've seen, um, turnovers, um, you know, manage those assists are always going to be high here. And it's, it's about getting other players involved here and, um, you have him on a really good contract, and um, I, I thought that was one of the bigger, you know, offseason additions as far as what, especially what you kind of gave up to, to get him. Bobby, we got our first firing in Luke Walton in Sacramento. I think we all saw that coming. What, what's going on internally there with Sacramento? Well, I just think the expectation is a lot higher. I think the expectation is a lot higher with um, you went into last year. Um, you know, you have a new GM last year with Monty McNair, who was in Houston, who was in year one a year ago. Um, a team that doesn't make the playoffs, but their depth I felt was lacking. I thought they addressed it a little bit in the um, at the trade deadline here. I think your expectation level is you start the season five and four in a Western Conference that's wide open to make the playoffs. Certainly with you know the Clippers and Denver, some of those teams that have injuries here, and now you're on a skid where you're you know I think you're one and seven, one and eight in your last nine games. And if you're ever going to make a coaching change, um, it's going to be in the early part of the season. And you know they have not. Come Good, they have not got a good play out of Darren Fox. I thought he, I think he's really struggled. Is it a matter of him and uh, Tyrese Halliburton fitting together here? I think their roster is a little bit top heavy. They got a lot of bigs on that team with Sean Holmes and Tristan Thompson, Alex Lynn. I think Marvin Bagley will be a name we'll probably hear a lot when we get closer to the trade deadline here. So some of the pieces don't fit. But when you have it, as I said, a general manager who was in the second year who did not, he did not hire Luke Wallen. He inherited him. If you're going to make a coaching change, it's probably you know one month into the season. Um, so there was an issue between Luke Walton and Marvin Bagley. I think we all saw that, Bobby, in front of everybody on TV. My whole thought was, if, if Bagley's unhappy with Sacramento, if you're the Bulls, you're a little small, and I think that there's nothing wrong with having a veteran backup you know, behind Vucevic. Is Bagley long for Sacramento? I, I would be surprised if he's there when we get past the February 10th trade deadline. I, I just don't see, you know, he, he, he played a little bit in the first game, I think, and he hasn't played much since. Um, 
he's out of the rotation basically completely. Um, so that's probably going to be a name, you know, certainly that to keep an eye on. It's, it's just a matter of kind of getting the money to make it work. You know, if you're Chicago and you have interest and you need a big, um, you know, Elias always says trades require a sacrifice here. So who are you looking to get rid of? Is it you know, Derek Jones, who's had some good moments, you know, coming off the off the bench there for you? Kind of gives you a little bit of a different element, but um, yeah. But I think Marvin's name. I think when we get as you know, when we get closer to you know February tenth, um, I think that's probably the one name to keep an eye on. Could you help me with the Zion Williamson situation? I I like David Griffin. I sure, did, I yeah. did shows with him on Sirius XM NBA. Yeah. He does just a very uh, a great guy, you know, thoughtful. I, I just don't know what's going on there in New Orleans as far as Zion. I I was led to believe, and I thought that you might have mentioned this as well, like Zion at the beginning of the season at some point would play. And I, I thought somehow the timeline changed with that. So what is up with Zion and when will we see him on the floor? I, I thought David Griffin gave the green light that he would be ready. Yeah, and I like Griff too. I've known Griff for a long time. I just think that um, I think you have to be upfront with your customers. If it's your fan base, I think you have to be upfront with the media. I know there's a privacy issue if the player does not want that out there. But for a player that had surgery in the off season and then on the first day of media day training camp, um, saying that basically that's the first you know you're addressing it for the first time and saying that he will be ready for the start of the regular season and really not making a big deal about it where it is a big deal right now. I just thought the Pelicans kind of dropped the ball on that. And we'll see when Zion is ready to go and when he steps on the court because, you know, a team that's, what, 3-15, and 15, um, you know, they can certainly need him. What is the, the latest on the NBA investigation? Is this closed yet with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry as far as free agency? You would think it's the NBA. This should be this should be really taken care of by now. I would think so. I mean, I, I, I thought we were going to get something a week ago. Um, maybe it's this week before Thanksgiving here. I mean, is it going to be, you know, I think it will be probably a fine. Uh, you know, I mean, Chicago doesn't have any first-round picks. So I don't think it's going to be loss of... First round picks, is it multiple second round picks here? I mean, I think that's kind of what you're looking at from, from this, but I would, I would think we're going to get news, you know, if not by the first of December here, hopefully within this, you know, the next, you know, the next, you know, 10 days. See, Bobby, you know this league like anybody, but you know, along with the great play and the superstar power and the social media, drama is part of the NBA as well. So, I mean, because I think that's an attraction for a lot of people. They want to know the dirt, right? So when it comes to, to Ben Simmons, like, if you're in that chair in Philly, how do you handle this scenario? This has not been pretty for the league or for Philadelphia with Ben Simmons not being around. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a matter if you're Daryl Morey, the head of basketball operations, if you have an appetite to let this thing go past the February 10th trade deadline, if you don't get a deal of your liking, and the sense is that they are willing to let it go past, you know, February 10th, and revisit the Simmons situation in uh, in the offseason, I, I just... I don't think there's a perfect deal out there. I, I, I really don't. Um, you know, is there will another, a team continue to struggle? Maybe Sacramento and Darren Fox. Who knows? You know, as far as a player like that, um, is a team desperate for Ben Simmons? I don't see it. I mean, I think it's a little bit different than Jimmy Butler, you know, three or four years ago when Philadelphia was desperate for him and Minnesota was, was desperate to trade him um, because he was on an expiring contract here. But I think you're, you're Philadelphia. You're still waiting for that perfect deal. And as I've said all along, 
I just don't see that perfect deal ever coming. And we'll see when Embiid comes back. You know, that's another team that has struggled of late because of some COVID protocols. Um, I think they're nine and eight here. Um, you know, I always said that the, the, the best thing for Ben Simmons is for Philadelphia to, to struggle, to show that he is needed and that there's a deal that needs to be done. I heard our buddy Joel Myers on NBA radio, uh, the voice of the Pelicans, say the Washington Wizards are the deepest team in the East. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I think it's a great story, and the league needs it, right? I have no problem with with great stories. I said, listen, I like Bradley Beal, and I like Dinwiddie, like the next guy, but deep? So so how far deep, uh, how far is that roster for Washington for you you that you really like? Yeah, I mean, I even went public and said that the Westbrook trade was probably one of the great trades that we've seen in the last 20 years and can be, turn out to be when you look at turning Russell into five players, including three starters with Kuzma, Dinwiddie, uh, KCP. Um, you get a bench player in Montrez Harrell, who's you know certainly playing at a high level, and then Aaron, uh, Aaron Holiday. Um, it's really deep. And then we haven't really even talked about you know Bertans has been out with an ankle injury. Uh, Rui Hachimura has been out all year with mm-hmm. personal issues here and with the, the beauty of it is then it can really allow um your you know Corey Kispert drafted out of Gonzaga let them develop on their own timeline but I mean Thomas Bryant's been out with that um with that I think the ACL and should be back somewhat soon I mean this team is really really deep and you know Bradley Beal's been okay so far you know and they're still 11-5 12-5 somewhere in that record in the you know, top three in the Eastern Conference and I just liked what they were able to do with taking you know 44 million and splitting it up into five players and you know for them and for Chicago you know my two you know my two offseason winners and you're seeing kind of how it's turned into a really high level product but the deepest team in the East Bobby well right now they are you know, <laughs> regular season yes. I think there's yeah. a, there is a difference there's a difference between regular season depth when you when you have 10 to 12 players that you can rely on and then when you get to the playoffs and you want playoff depth and it's eight guys and there's a difference there because eventually you know guys that you were relying on during the regular season you can't rely you know you basically have to you know kind of draw a line in the sand similar to kind of with you know Chicago as I said like I think they've got great playoff season depth regular season depth, you know, as far as sustaining, you know, injuries, you know, you might question as far as the, the, maybe a little bit the back end of the bench. Bobby, last thing, give me a, a team that you're looking at that intrigues you that says, you know what, maybe at the deadline they can make a, a, a piece, they can get a piece or two to improve the ball club. Is there a team that East or West that you see that say, boy, they just need a piece or two? Well, it's funny, you know, I think we're, we'll keep an eye on Brooklyn just with the Kyrie situation. And, you know, I mean, Brooklyn's still 12-5. and five. I know they've had a, a really easy schedule so far. They're 9-1 versus teams under 500 here. So I think Brooklyn's going to be intriguing. I think I think New York's interesting just because of, you know, when, whenever you exceed expectations like New York did, and you guys saw them um, last night, when you exceed expectations last year, from last year, you're always waiting for what's next, right? Like what's next is the hardest step to take when you have a team that's a little bit probably above 500, and I think the patience will be tested there. And I think certainly out west, you know, nobody is talking about Phoenix. I mean, this yeah. Phoenix Suns team is 13 and three, and they're right behind Golden State. I mean, Golden State's been the darlings of the, of the Western Conference so far, but is there another move that Phoenix can can make, or are they or are they kind of content where they are? 
Bobby, as always, I appreciate your time in Chicago. Again, smiling faces. The Bulls fans are happy that it's relevant basketball again for the first time since Tibbs. So it's it's great. It's a great feeling to be relevant again. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.